0: Welcome to Empathy Power Up, a collaboration of two people who connected during the pandemic through their love of empathy and action. Two people from very different backgrounds helping each other find ways to love themselves, understand their experiences better, and help reverse the rise of narcissism and the divides in our communities.
1: We will cover various topics about the human experience to help us power up on tools of empathy and emotional intelligence in the pursuit of one simple goal. Create a world where people seek to understand themselves and each other. This is a learning journey amongst fellow humans. We're all just figuring out life together. Hi, and welcome to Empathy Power Up. This is where we dive deep into topics that help us grow our empathy, push us into the growth zone, and help us reverse the empathy deficit deficit and the, and make sure that the rise of narcissism is checked. And today, today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about how we got here. In the previous episode, we mentioned that the empathy deficit is something that has become a big problem globally across almost all cultures. And over the over lots and lots of decades now, we are seeing data and research that is backing up the claim that narcissism is rising. So Today's episode, Amy, let's dive right in. How did we get here?
0: Yeah, well, actually, let's start with some research. <laughs> One of my favorite yeah, I love it. <laughs> I mean, um, at the end of the day, like, so in in my book, Empathy for Change, we, I, I dive deep into this from the beginning, because I like to see what the research says about empathy and why we're here. And um, Sarah Conrath um, it, who's a researcher in this space looked at self-reported empathy and in her study, she suggests some reasons why empathy might be on the decline. So these are all things that like, of course, she hasn't necessarily, she, in her history, she's done research, but there's still a lot of research to be done. But Mm -hmm. she does say that the relationship between personality and culture is dynamic with societal changes affecting empathy and changes changes in empathy feeding back into societal beliefs and norms so she says a couple things that i think are the reasons why the shift of empathy might be happening particularly in the past um 30 40 and 50 years is number one is shifting attitudes and beliefs which help feed behaviors it's kind of like having something that is um you know Individuals are changing, and so society's changing um, mm. with their attitudes and beliefs.
1: So it's almost like a cycle, right? Like it's like um, if I haven't, if I'm getting rewarded for narcissistic behaviors, then I'm gonna. This is more and more people are gonna do that, and then the society and culture sort of morphs into that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and uh-huh. and and you know when we start. Um, having this like beliefs and attitudes change our values are changing Mm. Um, you know for example like the just the the attitudes around um you know for example in the past decade we have seen um the rights um of of lgbt um youth and and people who are who are in that that community get the right to marriage um Mm -hmm. but then also in in our world, most recently, we have also seen the repeal of Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. So those attitudes and beliefs are shifting in different ways, right? But you see that um, what's happening within, you know, uh, the, the, Supreme Court might not be what the popular opinion is saying, right? So <laughs> that, that's what's that's very
1: interesting. I think you brought up because it's almost like if you just if I look at it from just the surface level, it feels like we're polarizing more and more. Mm-hmm. But but what I think as we dig in deeper and realize a little bit more that it's 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 not that we're polarizing more and more, um, or maybe it's more about the fact that the the system is is almost not set up for the popular, it's set up for the powerful and set up for, like, if I remember, I used, I, I did so well when I subscribed to narcissism and I was, I, I worked hard and I was like, oh, it's all about, like, it's about what can I get? And I was rewarded again get more and more. And so I I can start seeing that maybe it is, it, it isn't about a polarization, but it's more about um, the polarization of power and concentration of power and resources is where maybe I'm thinking.
0: Yeah, I think I think there's um one of the things I've been really reading recently um I just finished this book called um All About Love by Bell Hooks. And in that book she talks about like it's called All About Love New Visions. So she thinks about like what if we had a world full of love? And even in my um in my in my book I I have an MLK quote where it talks about love and power and justice and like when you have power, you need to also have love, and and mm. when you have justice, you need to have love, and power needs to be that be that way because like M. L. K. says, you have to be that's anemic. Like power is anemic with um, justice without power is anemic, and mm-hmm. um and then you have but if you have love and power together, and humility. That actually helps you to kind of have a more an increase emphasis on others and caring and love, like like MLK says, the beloved community.
1: Got it. So let's so let's continue. So we, we, yeah. you talked about people's behaviors changing and that's impacting culture. What what else?
0: Yeah. So you know, like I said, so with an increase of power um, and um, is also means a decrease of emphasis on others mm. and their what they need. Um, The increases on violence and bullying. um, Other things that are leading to this is changes in media and technology. Um, Social media is to blame for a lot of these things. Um, And then parenting practices, like how are families structured? You know, we're having less and less people in the US in particular. Um, What does that mean for for the family and so on and so forth and like and our mm. and how and going stepping away from organized religion in some instances as well so and then at the end of the day we have different changing expectations of success you know so what makes somebody successful um especially like as more and more women enter the workforce you know that that idea of expectations of success are changing and shifting
1: got it so for- what I'm trying to understand here is so I totally get the violence increase uh, and and the bullying and in fact it's I would say it's uh, we're we're seeing more and more of that uh, because of the rhetoric coming from political leaders uh, attacks happening for for our, uh, on trans people or attacks happening on people from the LGBTQ community or even um, just this it's almost like systemic attacks institutionalized legal attacks on women because. If you get an abortion, you can go to jail, right? Like mm-hmm. it's these attacks are increasing through policy and through cultural changes. And you mentioned social media was to blame. Can you tell me a little bit more about the media technology aspect of how that's sort of impacting the de- empathy deficit?
0: Yeah, absolutely. when we when we think about when we are, especially when we've been in the pandemic, Um, we have been exposed to and are aware of much more information now than we ever have before. Mm -hmm. So um, here's an example of like a personal example from like from my my family and my mother who's 74 years old. She has, you know, lived through so much. She has a lot of generational trauma in her life. But she says that she's more worried and anxious now than she ever has been before. Mm. Um, And um, I think in a way she's hitting the nail on the head you know my mom was born after in post-war Germany and you know has gone through um, uh, you know a lot of mental health and physical health ailments and so but she has that awareness like she has never had before so so many things are changing around us you know with with um, having that awareness you also notice what's changing and it's harder to keep up. And it also helps fuel that anxiety and fear.
1: Mm. And
0: sometimes it triggers depression. And I have had very open conversations with my mom and my family members about that as well, it's just like, you know, the way the world is today, especially with climate change, you know, that that is going much faster than she has seen in her lifetime.
1: Oh, that's interesting. And and what's really piqued my interest here was the like. She has more anxiety now than before and and we hear stories about people sort of taking breaks from news and vacation from news and and maybe social media and because we a lot of us consume news through social media as well but what what was interesting I learned was um, Jessica Yellen who is the uh, chief was a former chief uh, co- uh, White House correspondent for CNN and worked for ABC NBC many network news television shows and uh, I heard from her that when she was on in there, the newsroom would, would sort of ask her to create more, like ask questions that would lead to more conflict or lead to more uh, of a negative or more of a, uh, a sort of conflicting for inf- uh, conversations rather than more of an additive or something that leads to more of a healthy conversation because that's what would drive the eyeballs or that's what people are clicking or, or that's what's driving engagement. So it's almost like that cycle you mentioned, the behaviors are like, the more people are interested in the train wreck situation or more in the conflict, the more the media is sort of bringing that into the forefront and sort of almost um, seeding it is what I learned from Jessica Yellen.
0: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And and so, I mean, also, let's not forget about mis and disinformation that's Mm -hmm. happening out there as well. And so you have all this mix of mix of mis and disinformation happening um so it's like who do you trust and you know all these things as they get you know bigger and and uh and these problems become more deep rooted we're going to have these problems get um shift in a different way and and we have a tendency to become more narcissistic through that
1: Mm, i see
0: so understanding like some of these
1: factors that are causing us to not maybe practice empathy as much what like how are we sort of bringing this into a systemic level how do you see this as like like where is the system coming into play here
0: absolutely um when we mention <clears throat> when uh, another person who wrote about empathy her name is Susan Lanzoni she wrote like a whole history of empathy mm-hmm. <laughs> of of where we come from and she says that in in particular americans spend more time alone and they read fiction less often mm-hmm. and that neoliberal capitalism has significant, significantly eroded our new natural tendencies towards empathy so Ooh, that that's is a, happening.
1: that's an interesting word a uh, phrase neoliberal capitalism can you help me understand that
0: yeah absolutely um so the idea of americans spending time more time alone i think that has expanded to even the whole world because mm. we've become more globalized as a country. So mm-hmm. I think that's even even spreading further than Susan's work um, and research. Um, you know, that, that was um, quite a bit ago. Mm-hmm. But neoliberalism sees competition as the defining characteristic of human relations. So citizens um, are consumers and and whose democratic choices are best exercised by bullying, buying and selling. So a process that rewards merit and punishes inefficiency. So it's maintains that the market they they call it delivers benefits that could never be achieved by planning. Mm. So. In this world, competition limits are liberty. So tax and regulation is minimized Public services are privatized. Organized labor and collective bargaining by trade unions impede the formation of this hierarchy of like winners and losers. And inequality is a reward for utility and a generator generator of wealth. So which trickles down to enrich everyone. So the market ensures that everyone gets what they deserve. Equality and equity be damned.
1: Ah, interesting. So this whole idea of neoliberal capitalism, almost—it's—it's basically—it's where we the system we all are like America has almost sort of exported around the world as well, and and European systems and, and the idea that it's all about what are you doing for me and what are you doing for the system and what is your worth and your worth is based on what, what one person sort of brings to the table rather than your worth for just being a life. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like what, what you produce over who you are as a person. Right. And, and I, and we're seeing that as well, because
1: when there, when it's about competition or when, when there is less competition, private industry is going to prioritize profits over the people because that's their incentive. It's not that they're bad people or they're evil people is just that their incentives is based on that and we live in a reward based system.
0: Mhm. Absolutely and and we we think about that in a bigger way um you know inflation that we're what that's um tackling us in the year 2022 right With mm-hmm. that idea of inflation is is driven in large part by The private sector, right? They're raising prices because you know there's a lot of uncertainty that happens. So, um, and that's that's capitalism for us. So,
1: yeah, and and I think an example that I I sort of resonate with because of my experience working in that industry is like the prison industrial complex. um, The the it's mostly privatized in U.S. A lot of it is privatized now, and the private companies are. Um, sort of paid based on volume, right? Like how many people they're processing through, how many people are they supporting? So it's all about how can we pack as many people in the smallest places. And, and basically the human dignity aspect is not part of the incentive of the reward system at all. And so it's not rewarded based on how many people are are maybe going to prison and not returning because they did rehabil- rehabilitate. They They went through a growth journey it's more about how many people are processing through, so it's it's completely this is where where we are seeing that capitalism and and the private you know, the pro- public system has given all the power to the- uh, the private industry and private sector, and they are basically using it as almost like a sweatshop of prison people going through
0: mhm yes absolutely and and what's happening in that instance is is that people are um, when you privatize things, that that changes the whole game, and it also we also have a awareness now in the pandemic as we as we are um, emerging out of the pandemic is this idea of like coming out and and pointing fingers and saying this is not okay, mm. and a lot of people are stepping up and being like okay, so so if this has been like the source of power for so long, let's question that. Um, questioning the status quo. And so in, this, in a talk I've given over the past year, I discuss how the pandemic has been kind of a great awakening for us to see how life is changing around us. How can we center ourselves to become more empathetic or compassionate towards ourselves and others? So we can do this kind of in two ways, by changing our mindsets and then also our behaviors that will yield kind of more scenarios for us to have equity um, have better outcomes for the people who need it most.
1: Yeah. And I just wanted to make sure to clarify that I don't, and I, I believe that you think the same way, but correct me if you don't, but like, I think there is a place for private industry, mm-hmm. but I do be, believe like the fundamental needs of humanity, humanity, like water, electricity or other aspects, food, shelter, like some fundamental needs that are needed, like Internet now, I believe is access to the Internet is, I believe, another fundamental need Mm -hmm. that those are the things that probably should be sort of done as a community done through the public sector, while there is opportunity in private sector to innovate and drive more of those um, uh, growth opportunities through there. So I just want to make sure we clarify that. But also, I uh, wanted to ask the question, so it's not all doom and gloom, right we, we 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 can do something about it and what what is that?
0: yeah i I think that it's you know, like I mentioned, there's compassion for ourselves and then compassion for others. Mm-hmm. And um I think it's this idea of compassion and empathy is is willing being willing to willing to take in the story of other people and to to hold that space for, for individuals. So it's not an ephemeral feeling or emotion. It's like applying and practicing it and we can improve it over time. So the idea of empathy, it's, it's becoming a very coveted leadership trait of our generation. Um, Professors and students and academic institutions are studying it and Also, companies are really grappling with how to rebrand themselves to appeal to a workforce that is requiring more purposeful work and empathetic work environments.
1: Yeah, and I think that's so powerful in that we have it in our control. Each of us, if we practice empathy, it's almost like a ripple effect and then that that sort of role modeling leads to this change and it, it is in our control individually
0: yes yes and it it kind of has this like ripple effect right Mm -hmm. it starts with yourself and then if and the the team around you and the people that you engage with most regular regularly like once you start building that out um and the team becomes has a little more empathy and compassion it kind of ripples to your organizations and then into society but you know that's not something that's going to happen overnight so um and but the thing is, we to combat that, there's a lot of people in our workplaces, um, and our workplaces to this point have really been designed spaces and norms to not embrace an empathetic idea, and uh, in particular, Obama acknowledged this and in his 2008 commencement speech. Where he said we live in a culture that discourages empathy, a culture that too often tells us that our principal goal in life is to be rich, thin, young, famous, safe, and entertained, a culture who, where those in power too often encourage these selfish selfish impulses. So, okay, yeah, so there's there's a lot going on there. We're discouraging empathy at the end.
1: So, so, so what is like? I think to end this like take away from this is how do we what how do we get drive that change yeah and and we'll dive more into that in the next episode for sure
0: i'd like to i'd like to bring in like the spirit of like grace lee boggs who's a an american author activist philosopher and feminist um she says this about our society you cannot change any society unless you take responsibility for it unless you see yourself as belonging to it and responsible for changing it.
1: Ah, love that. Love it. Literally. love it. And so every episode, we're going to end with a question for y'all. Um, what do you think is, is your place in changing the society? And I invite you to share those responses with us on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever platform you'd like to use. And if you have any questions for us or any topics you would like us to dive deep into, we're here for you.
0: See you next time, everyone. Empathy Power Up is produced by Amy J. Wilson and Kevin Shaw, two people who bonded over their love for creating a deeper sense of empathy in the world. You can reach Amy at Real Amy J. wilson, and Kevin at Shah kevin.